You are listening to Occupolitics, a Harry Potter reread podcast focusing on politics in the wizarding world. I'm Adri, one of your hosts and a recovering English major. And I'm Helene, your co-host and producer. How you doing, Helene? Doing okay. Doing okay. This it's like I'm I'm transitioning from a very like slow chill like period at work to a very busy stressful period at work. So I'm kind of like trying to adjust. Um, haven't gotten a bunch of sleep that this week. It's just just you know, it's a time. I'm going through a time. We are going through phases like the moon. Yeah. But yeah, a little bit yeah. more stressful, I would imagine. Yeah, there's just a lot going on, um, both work and, you know, outside of work. So just just getting through it. What about you, Adri? How are you doing? Well, I dyed my hair purple, as you, as you only can see, not our listeners. Yes, it is beautiful, listeners. Trust me. We'll see how long it lasts, but <laughs> there's always a Sally Beauty Supply around the corner if it doesn't last <laughs> exactly and you know just like you uh sleep deprived mm-hmm. because of a lot of factors one of which is called olivia and the other one's called work so yeah yeah just you changed olivia your has... baby's name to work well <laughs> no my real work um her uh her little bottom teeth I've finally come out, and we're waiting on her top teeth. So you mean like not not come out of her mouth, but like come into her mouth? Yeah, you know, erupted from her gums, coming okay. out of her gums, coming out of my gums, and I've been feeling just fine. Just fine. Anyway, so yeah, she's a little clingy. She's a little grouchy. In other words, she's becoming me. Yeah, all babies get that way eventually. Yeah, clingy and grouchy, just like her mom. Loving it. Anyway, that's it. That's that's the tea. Uh, still in tropical Puerto Rico. And we'll be Beautiful. in Puerto Rico for a couple more months. Gotta get some... Uh, dental work done on the cheap because I got a lot of dental work to be done and it's way cheaper here without insurance than back home and so more than with insurance didn't you just have an appointment do you have more you have more than what you just did oh yes oh yeah they informed me informed me of several things I need to get done and I was like great extending my stay as we speak oh my gosh wow so, you know, just love things. Best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Anyway, let's uh, get on with this uh, baby on the road because this one's a really sad, sad <laughs> chapter. Um, because today we're going to be talking about chapter 23 uh, titled Malfoy Matter of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Helene, what's this chapter about? So, funny story, literally just now realized, I forgot to write the chapter <laughs> summary. Uh, funny story, <laughs> I thought you had that somewhere else. <laughs> no, nope, I literally was looking at it and I was like, huh, I forgot to do that today, didn't I? Because it's just not there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just so, going to wing it. So, last <laughs> time, you- <laughs> yeah. no, no, last time, Helene. I read this chapter instead of the chapter we had to read, yeah. which was 22. Well, thankfully, and, I didn't do that, thankfully. But. And this time, you just forgot to yeah, do just yeah, I mean, so. I, I did, now I'm like, I'm like, did I forget any other sections? Like, no, I think I, okay, no, I have, I think I have all the other sections. Helene, <laughs> we're yeah. just thriving, thriving. Yeah. Like I said, this week has been a, a lot. So I'm just going to wing it. What happened? I read this chapter on Tuesday and we are recording on Friday. So let me see if I can crawl back to Tuesday evening. Um, all right. So we left off and Harry had said Voldemort's name. 
<laughs> triggering the mm-hmm. taboo. The Snatchers show up at their tent. Hermione hits him with the stinging jinx, so his face is not recognizable. They try to lie to the Death Eaters a little bit. Doesn't work out too well. Eventually all is found out. Realize that it's Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They decide to bring him to Malfoy Manor. And that's when shit goes down. <laughs> um, so Bellatrix shows up. She realizes that they have sort of Gryffindor. She decides to torture Hermione to try and get information out of her about how they came to have that possession. Um, and in the meantime, they put they put Harry, Ron, Griphook, Dean, yeah, Griphook and Dean down in the cellar where they meet uh, Luna and Ollivander, who were there already uh, as prisoners. Mm-hmm. They listen to Hermione get tortured a bit. Uh, then Dobby comes because Harry is looking in the mirror that he had. Why didn't they confiscate? Anyway, so they don't they don't confiscate the little pouch that Harry has around his neck for some reason. Um, and he has a little <laughs> mirror, sees Aberforth's eye in it, asks for help. Aberforth sends Dobby, although we don't know it's Aberforth yet in this chapter. Dobby comes, gets... Luna and Olive and Ollivander to Shell's cottage comes back. They fight. They Wormtail comes and kills himself uh, with his little silver hand. And Bellatrix kills Dobby on their way out of Dodge. Um, and then they all end up at Shell's cottage. Cottage, cabbage? No, it's Shell's. They all end up at Shell's cottage. <laughs> um. And sadly, Dobby is dead. Okay. It's a bummer. Well. It's a bummer of a chapter. That was the most chaotic chapter summary I've ever had to give. I hope that you still enjoyed it. <laughs> I was going to say this might be your best chapter summary yet. Oh, it felt like I was just not making any sense. <laughs> but hopefully people still understood what I was going for. I mean, chaotic? How about brilliant? (laughs) I'm glad you think so. Of course, of course. Like, anyone can see that that was a brilliant chapter summary. Well, in lieu, you know, because of that brilliant chapter summary, I feel like then I have to give my my brilliant slash chaotic politic rabbit hole that I went through. Um, And at first, I was thinking about the politics of the prisoners of war. And legally, a prisoner of war is like an armed like insurgent, and it wouldn't cover civil wars such as the wizarding war. So I, even though I will talk about prisoner of war in this um, politic, I will start with the politics of civil war and then kind of couch the prisoner aspect of it as a prisoner of a civil war, if you will. Okay. Is there not a term for prisoner of civil war? Not that I could find. Okay. Only because of um, the Geneva convention and like the third Geneva convention has like some rights of, of uh, prisoners of war and to be a prisoner of war, it has to be like opposing armies from like basically different countries it wouldn't cover civil war prisoners so okay yeah that's kind of where i went down on that rabbit hole um civil war refers to a violent conflict between organized groups within a country that are fighting over control of the government one side separate once one side separate skulls or some device of government policy so of course in this civil war that we've got going on in the wizarding world. Um, Voldemort has uh, taken over the government or the Ministry of Magic, and there's like organized uh, resistance movements within the wizarding community that are opposing this uh, coup d'etat, right? So 
A prisoner of war is a person who is held captive by a belligerent power during or immediately after an, an armed conflict. The earliest recorded usage of the phrase "prisoner of war" dates back to 1610. Belligerents hold prisoners of war in custody for a range of legitimate and illegitimate reasons, such as isolated them, isolating them from the enemy combatants still in the field, releasing and repatriating them in orderly manner after hostiles. Demonstrating military victory, punishing them, prosecuting them for war crimes, exploiting them for labor, recruiting or even conscripting them as their own combatants, collecting military and political intelligence from them, or indoctrinating them in new political or religious beliefs. So, that's like a broad definition of a prisoner prisoner of war. But according to the Geneva Convention, and this is more for like our knowledge, not how we see it in this chapter, a prisoner of war are members of armed forces who have fallen into enemy hands. Prisoner of war status is only legally recognized for international armed conflicts, conflicts fought between the states. There is no prisoner of war status in non-international armed conflicts, sometimes referred to as civil wars. Prisoner of war status is regulated by the Third Geneva Convention and Additional Protocol One. So that's why instead of prisoner of war, like the politics of prisoner of war in our in our little muggle world, I went with civil war. Yeah, with a subsection on you know. Yeah, do you want to touch? Term the loose term of prisoner of war. Yeah. Do you want to touch at all how how that? Yeah. No. I, I'll get to that. So. Okay. In this chapter, we've got uh, Dean Griphook, Harry, Ron, and Hermione being captured by enemy combatants, right? Who are like have allegiance to Voldemort, who is in power, um, and the way that they interrogate him and his friends are about it's is about like no we know that the resistance uses the word Voldemort which is why we have to boot it right so that's like one of the things that it talks about like in uh prisoners of war is like they they use them so to demonstrate military victory to punish or prosecute you know um yeah and and to question and, and get some intel on what's going on in the ground, right? Same goes for the treatment of Bellatrix with Hermione when she's, like, asking, like, where did you get the sword? Like, is it interrogating Griphook? Is this, like, the legitimate sword? Like, all of these things Mm -hmm. fall under that purview of, like, perhaps illegitimate reasons to capture people in a conflict. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that I thought about when I read this chapter. Yeah, well, you said my politic a few times during your politic. And I think we've done the thing where, you know, we usually do, which I love, is where one of us, our politic is more zoomed out and one of, and the other one, the politic is more zoomed in. Um, Love it. Tell yes. us about your zoomed in politic then. Yes. Yes. Mine was zoomed in. I My politic was the politic of interrogation. Um, so the definition of interrogation is to gather information from a suspect by means that are reasonably likely to elicit incriminating responses. That is one of the many definitions I found. But um, Usually law enforcement officers interrogate suspects in a crime to get them to confess or to give them information that they need to solve whatever case that they're trying to solve. So there are many different interrogation tactics that are utilized both in the real real world and in this chapter specifically uh, that are considered, um, you, uh, you know, immoral and in some cases illegal. Um, and they're you and these tactics sometimes are still even used today. Maybe not in the United States, but in the world. <laughs> so I mean, just some of them. I mean, we see intimidation. Obviously, that's a big one in general. Usually, the snatchers kind of went with that one. Um, the Death Eaters. I feel like that they they could just they don't meet like it's just kind of a byproduct of who they are. The intimidation. It's not like a tactic that they're using. Um, but physical violence, um, you know, with 
scabier and and grayback and everything um like punching ron and you know to get him to tell him what his real name is and stuff like that um and which is different from torture physical violence and torture are similar but not exactly the same uh torture is obviously what we see with bellatrix um and hermione that's specifically torture um and then leading questions is is a big one um which i will get to further in my quote thank you well let me get to my quote and then we can get to yours all right so my quote is the following harry could feel ron shaking there were forced down a steep flight of stairs still tied back to back and in danger of slipping and breaking their necks at any moment at the bottom was a heavy door Greyback unlocked it with the tap of his wand, then forced them into a dank and musty room and left them in total darkness. The echoing bang of the slammed cellar door had not died away before there was a terrible, drawn-out scream from directly above them. And the reason I chose this one is because it shows, like, the visceral and physical reaction of, like, Ron being imprisoned while Hermione's being tortured for information. And it casts like a very much realistic light on how it feels to be um, captured and imprisoned in this civil war of theirs. I feel like it's the one of the most visceral reactions mm-hmm. we have seen in moments of danger so far. Yeah. Yeah, it just and also makes me feel like, like how long how long have Luna and Ollivander been in the cellar? Total darkness without the Deluminator. Like, what has mm-hmm. that got to do to a person's mental health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, complete total darkness. You can't escape it. You can't. I mean, you can't like see anything for days, weeks. It's awful. Well, there's there's no hope. You know. Yeah. Yikes. It breaks you down psychologically and and physically to a point. Because without light, you're not processing, like, vitamin D yeah. and stuff. Like, yeah. You know, like, there's – that weakens Definitely. you. Yeah. This chapter is a real bummer. So, how about <laughs> – like, it's the most fun chapter yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we move on to, to my quote? Yeah, let's let's go to your So quote. mine was, you are lying, filthy mudblood, and I know it. You've been inside my vault at Gringotts. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Another terrible scream. Hermione, what else did you take? What else have you got? Tell me the truth. I swear I shall run you through with this knife. Tell me the truth or I swear I shall run you through with this knife. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously... Like I mentioned, leading questions, you know, she, she's kind of, she's, it's more of like accusations, right? You've been inside my vault at Gringotts, like, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me that you've been inside my vault at Gringotts. Um, Instead of like, you know, where did you get the sword? It's, tell me. Yeah, there's no curiosity. There's no questions. It's just, well, I mean, what else did you take? What else have you got? Um, It wasn't like... You know, like she's already just this, this interrogator, Bellatrix has already decided in her mind that Hermione stole the the sword from her vault. So that's not even in question anymore. Now she's just trying to get the, the like details of it from her. Um, And it's very similar to like police in, um investigations in, in this, in the modern world in real, in real life, like police will sometimes just f- like find a theory and just decide that that theory is what happened and do interrogations around proving that theory instead of trying to find the truth. Like I said, there's no curiosity. There's no like, Hey, tell me how you stumbled upon this. Like there's just, I know I'm right. And I am going to focus on getting the story that I want out of you. Right. And if it does not conform to the parameters that I have set up in my mind, then I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And you're lying. Yeah, that's interrogation. And it's like, 
so sad to think that this type of interrogation happens every day still. Innocent people are put in in jail and punished for things that they didn't do because these types of interrogation and these interrogation tactics are misleading and um, biased. And in some cases, in other countries and other types of governments, um, people are still getting tortured for information. I don't think that that's a thing that still happens in the United States. I believe that actually Obama passed a law um, that like banned all types of torture in the United States when he was in president, when he was the president, I believe so. I can actually look it up real quick if we want to make sure, but I found an article that is talk says is called has Obama banned torture? Yes or no. And let's see it's specific parts in the article. Basically, Obama had banned the CIA's torture techniques via executive order in 2009. So, yeah, it says, okay, Obama banned torture years ago, but it is its replacement is still brutal. Interesting. I didn't do the research before in depth. I just knew that there was a thing with Obama banning torture in the United States. So we can get into it more detailed at a later date if people are interested but it is definitely something that isn't is intriguing it's a like this literally happened to in 2009 like that was not that long ago like obama being president even though he was two presidents ago still to me does not feel like that long ago and that is when the united states banned torture the 90s doesn't feel that far away even though it was 30 years exactly so So that's just like, just to put it into perspective, you know, like literally until 2009, I, I'm assuming that logic states that torture was legal in the United States up until that time. So gross. Well, when we think about like the characters in this chapter who define our politics to me, like the character that defines uh, my politic of civil war is someone who's barely in this chapter, obviously Voldemort. He's the instigator behind uh, (laughs) the current civil war in the wizarding world. Yeah. I went with Bellatrix because as I kind of alluded to, there are a lot of people being interrogated and and interrogating in the chapter, including like the, the snatchers, and things like that. They use their own interrogation tactics when they first capture them outside the tent. But in true fashion, Bellatrix kind of steals the show. And I'd say it's mostly because her interrogation tactic is the extreme with torture for Hermione. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. <sighs> well, Helene, it's time to talk about how we see each other's politics in the series. And, um... Your politic of interrogation makes me think of so many delightful moments in the series. Um, but I'm going to focus on two that kind of bring me joy. And we're just, I'm just going to ignore okay. the rest, okay? Um, first is when Dumbledore interrogates Harry whether he put the, his name oh, in the goblet of fire or not. Like, I can't. He asked moment. calmly. Top 10 moment. <laughs> She yes. said, he asked calmly, yes. Beautiful chef's kiss. Um, and less delightful, but still kind of uh, cheeky because then we can say like, oh, but there were f- f- far worse moments later on in the series is I guess all my all my moments are from Goblet of Fire listeners. Sorry. Rita Skeeter like interrogating Harry with her like acid green quill and like making up shit as she went along iconic also <laughs> so that's those are like the like light fluffy moments but i can name other moments like vernon dursley being like what did you do basically to harry and harry's like i don't know like when harry didn't understand that magic was doing all the things um 
uh, Dobby also <laughs> making mischief and like Harry taking the blame for it um, and being interrogated by the Ministry of Magic, you know, just stuff like that. But mostly I wanted to think about the iconic moments of interrogation, mostly Dumbledore asked calmly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'd, I'd say the top five hat for me has to be the I must not tell, tell lies because that is an interesting interrogation tactic. Oh, no, well, that's disgusting. And I didn't want to like, yeah, think about also Veritas serum is an interesting interrogation, interrogation tactic as well by someone. Uh, <laughs> true, 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 true. But yes. Um, yeah. I mean, yours is kind of harder to pinpoint a specific moment just because like civil war is kind of what's been going on the entire time. I would say that perhaps the Civil War never stopped, right? Like in the yeah. wizarding world. I mean, obviously, oh, because because Voldemort never truly went away. Right? Yeah, like he was always trying to gain back power, and he still had a faction of followers, even though some of them were imprisoned in Azkaban. yeah Azkaban, right? So, so this series. Is like a documentation of like ongoing. Well, yeah, I was gonna say war. like the Harry Potter series in general is kind of like the like where where it comes to and I hate using this word because it sounds dirty every time. Like it comes to a climax um, <laughs> with like. <laughs> I thought that you were gonna say it comes to a yeah. head, which yeah. also no, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. The the whole the whole Harry Potter series is telling the story of like basically Voldemort overtake like o- wanting to overturn the natural like status quo the natural state of things in the Wizarding world. I I'm guessing that was also his goal the first time, um, but he gets as close to achieving that goal as probably he ever would and like ever is possible in this book so yeah no it's looking pretty bleak as uh this chapter reminds us yeah yeah this is like i said this is, chapter is a bummer speaking of bleak things you know what's also bleak dementors <laughs> dementors yeah it's time for our dementors and childhood section yes, Helene. When you read this chapter, my dear friend, what sucked out of all the joy? Um, out, did out we of have life the same one? Um, probably. Okay, because so, I mean, as you know, <laughs> I've been trying. I've been doing the thing where I like write my things yeah, in yeah, a yeah. separate doc. Um, and well, yours is yours is like a vague like explanation of what has happening, and I put the quote. So I just want to make sure. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Well, I can go first, and then you can do the quote. Yeah, sure. So, um, my Dementor, what sucks the joy of of life out of me for the briefest moment while reading this chapter was Greyback's threatening of Hermione and, like, like, you know, somehow getting her as a trophy or, like, Tasting her flesh or yes. whatever. He said that just. Mm, yeah. No so I mean, you. like when I was writing mine, I was like, basically everything, like all the stuff sucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like there Agreed. was the one specific moment that really jumped out at me. And I was like, yuck, I feel disgusting. Um, and that was a gray back, a gray back. I don't know why I keep on saying gray back. Um, like it's an E instead of a. Um, and that was a gray back <laughs> quote um, talking about Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> and because Greyback in general is just like the scum of the earth, like he is probably one of the worst characters to ever come out of Harry Potter. Um, every time he talks, I'm just like, oh, shut the fuck up. Um, but this quote was delicious girl, what a treat! I do enjoy the softness of the skin. It was. It was given off, like, real Buffalo Bill vibes. Like, Silence of the Lambs, it puts the lotion in the basket, like, 
I got immediately creeped out. Yeah, and it's also giving, like, child molester yeah. vibes, you know? Because, like, isn't Greyback's whole thing that he children likes to turn, yeah. like, like, bite children? So it's, like, yeah. this whole, like, child molester. Well, that's Ugh, what he did to, to Lupin, so. Yeah. Correct, correct. Oh, I Can I just say that I, I, I mean, like... It, it, it's surprising that neither neither of us said Dobby dying because that actually like for sure happens in this chapter. <laughs> I know. I mean, that is definitely like a Dementor, but I feel like we feel the sadness of that next chapter yeah. anyway. I mean, I I've never been the biggest Dobby fan in general. It is sad though. It is very sad. Well, I mean, in terms of chocolate, uh, I just want to go on the record and say that this is a chapter that has no chocolate for me. Um, It's very bleak, and uh, nothing really took the sting out of the chapter for me, personally. So that is fair. Um, I I just I put Ron selfish selfishlessness, selflessness. That's the word. that I'm like, hey, what's this word that I can't, you can't say? Even- Ron- okay, I said Ron's selflessness um, because he, you know, basically offers himself up many times at like begs to be taken into like being tortured instead of Hermione, wants to like take away her pain. Um, and it's just usually Ron is a like, I'm, you guys know how I feel about him. Ron is a pretty selfish character. He thinks about himself. He doesn't usually like, I mean, not, not all the time. This isn't like a, you know, I'm not saying he's always like this, but a lot of the times he doesn't consider other people's feelings. Um, And so it was just kind of refreshing in this chapter because I think obviously like he, the author had him swing completely in the other direction just to like hammer down our throats, like that he is in love with her. It is romantic. He wants to be with her. Like, I think that's kind of like, that was the goal of the way that she wrote it, but it was nice either way. Mm -hmm. Speaking of like actual chocolate though, I did treat myself at the grocery store and got myself a a whole box of Russell Stover's Valentine's day milk chocolate or assortment of like I have like a it's like a big heart-shaped <laughs> box like the ones that you see like standard for Valentine's Day I went and I bought myself one of those today box of chocolates I mean if you don't do that are you even right you even so what yourself, is self-care you know? if not buying big boxes yeah. of chocolates in the shape of hearts for yourself on Valentine's Day <laughs> oh hard agree <laughs> Hard agree. <sighs> well, every episode we ask our listeners a question, and last time's question was the following: What would your code name be if you were a guest on Potter Watch? Did we get any answers, Helene? Just a few. I thought it was an easy question, people. Come on, just make something up. However, saying that, I still am not a hundred percent sure what mine would be. But we did get we did get a couple of answers. Um, listener Terrence uh, US, I think it could be Terrence US. I don't know. Um, they said Snoopy. That's a fun one. Nice peanuts call out. Um, number one Remus fan on Twitter. They said Mona. That's cute. I like that. That's super cute. And yeah, and then Dream Quaffle, our our ever reliable listener dream quaffle said some of my wizard rock friends call me dq but that's not very code namey so probably some like 10 point something like 10 point since quaffle scores are worth 10 points yeah super cute okay so helene uh like drop it here what would your code name be i guess maybe like nasal because like that's because like that's a type of like feline like it's like it's like Crookshanks was like half measle. Like they're like a specific type of like cat creature, magical creature. So, okay. So 
in in this, would it have to be like a wizarding I mean, related code? I name, assumed or it, it would be a wizarding related code name, but it, I guess maybe not. If not, then like Buffy. I would like that for you. That's or you. if we want to go super like deep cut Buffy fandom type things, I would say like Joan or Umad. Those are both references from the same episode. And if you're a Buffy fan, you know which one. <laughs> and listeners, I do not. <laughs> it is an iconic episode, I gotta say. But yes, probably like Joan or Umad. Okay, okay. Well, I don't necessarily have one in my like codename, codename. I would probably just use the same as like all my social media handles was just like an and a banana. Like, well, then like, just banana. Really there we go. Banana. Go. Banana. <laughs> banana. I like that. <laughs> anyway, that's that's it. Well, this week, Helene, uh, we are going to let our listeners skate by on on having a question. We're not going to ask a question this week. This this episode, this chapter has been a lot emotionally for us as hosts, and I'm sure for them as listeners. So let's just let's just vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it was a doozy of a chapter. So. We all need a little bit of a break. Well, in that vein of needing a break, Helene, it's time to talk about the media we've been consuming and media that has been up- uplifting us all yes. in this bleak world. Let us know, Helene, what have you been watching? Oh, my gosh. Um, so long awaited. I've had so many people asking me to watch this damn show, and I tried it in college, and it wasn't my vibe. But I promised a few people that I would try again, and I've done it. I watched Game of Thrones again. Um, I'm at the end of season two. Um, I have thoughts, not all good ones. I think I have a pretty controversial opinion about this show. Before I say anything, though, are, are you a Game of Thrones fan? Have you seen it? I am not. I am not. Have you have you tried to watch it or like you just aren't interested in trying? I just I'm just agnostic on it, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, I mean I'm I don't know why. I just I tend to have like different opinions like with great with Game of or not Game of Thrones, with Lord of the Rings, like it's not, it's literally not that I haven't like given it a shot. I just legitimately don't like it. And it's kind of like, I I like Game of Thrones a bit more than Lord of the Rings, but like I have a decent amount of like legitimate complaints (laughs) about it, but I am going to finish it. I know that it's a big commitment. It's like eight seasons. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to finish it. I'm hopefully I'll finish it. Um, cause like there are redeeming qualities to it and like, I don't hate watching it. So like, but but it's just like, it is not worth the hype. That's basically what I got to say. I don't understand how this show was so damn popular. I don't get it. Do not. Other than the fact that people just want to see boobies and violent death every single week. Because that's what you get. You get lots of boobies. It's like they have a whole booby quotient that they have to reach. Got to reach that boob goal. Uh, literally every single episode. And you know whose boobies I saw that I didn't really need to see? Nymphadora Tonks. Nymphadora Tonks. I saw her completely buck-ass naked. (laughs) And you're like, no thanks, I did not order this. Yeah, I mean, I love Nymphadora Tonks. She's a great character. Didn't need to see the actress who plays her and who I have stuck as Tonks in my brain completely naked. Full front nudity. Understandable. Full frontal nudity. Okay. So, but anyway, it's, basically it is very, very, very slow to start. The fair, the whole first season, basically up until like the last two episodes are just kind of like, they're just so, it's so kind of, it's so boring. I can't. It's very slow to start. And then they're trying too much with too many people 
so many storylines and they're it's like they're gaslighting you into caring about a character that has been on the screen for a total of five seconds like i they don't focus on character development they don't like at least not in the first couple seasons like i'm almost on a season two like i feel like i've seen maybe like a couple characters develop like a, a small amount um but like they all and they don't like really focus on relationships between the characters like that's kind of i feel like that's why i watching consume media for to like see the relationships and like how people relate to each other and it's just like i don't know it feels very cold very detached and literally i'll sometimes i'll just be watching it and i'll be like i there's people these people are these rich people are just fighting over power that is, that is literally all that's happening. The entire eight seasons, these these people are just fighting over the same throne. They all fighting. Yeah. So so what you're telling me, it's basically American politics, right? Like it's just. I guess it is a little bit more interesting than like daily American politics, because like it's like American politics if like someone got their head cut off every couple of days and like there was a lot of nudity maybe we just don't see it you know and, what i mean like maybe this is that's like the behind the scenes maybe. i don't know whatever and there was a lot like it's at least in the first season there was a lot of like violence to animals like you see a lamb literally cut a horse's head completely clean off i'm like that okay, is see, that's excessive where why did we have to see that why that is too much for me yeah no i'm not no like i know i know that like they're probably like have those disclaimer i don't see the disclaimer but i'm sure there was a disclaimer of like no horses were harmed in this episode like i'm sure that they're not actually hurting animals on this set but it is just very upsetting and like in this episode i literally just watched like they literally cut a man's head in half like like they cut his like instead of chopping his head off at the neck, they they just like cut from one temple to the other, and the first top half of his head just just and it's like you tell me swords were that sharp that you can just cut a head of a horse off completely just with a sword, just like whoop. no. Somewhere somewhere ne- nearly headless Nick is like I wish like if that was nearly if that's how n- n- like Nick became nearly headless where they cut his head like in half side like not like up and down but like horizontally like <laughs> like I was like what the fuck the things that you see it's like just gratuitous violence I feel like the violence and the nudity is literally just for shock value like mm-hmm. but there is no real it doesn't seem to be a real reason behind it for story development. Yeah, there's a, it's just like, I think people that I've talked to who are fans of the show and like brought that up, they're like, they're just trying to show how brutal and like, like tough it was to live in that time period. And I'm like, dude, rest. What time period? There were no dragons yeah, I was in like, dude, Westeros, recorded history. What are you like, talking Westeros about? Westeros isn't real. Westeros is not a real thing. The Seven Realms or whatever the like the realm of Westeros with the seven kingdoms and the iron throne and the dragons and the magic and the, this is not a real place. So like I I don't know. Like it, they're just like it just it just seems like a lot to me. I'm sorry if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Like there are what do you call it? Like redeemable parts okay, of it. Okay, but if, but if we I mean, I think that you can be a Game of Thrones fan without like being like they're just trying to show historical accuracy without like but no, that is fiction. Yeah. You can say yeah. I mean, it's like fiction. there are knights and stuff, so like I think it's supposed to be in the medieval time, but it's literally not a real place. So and then also uh Oh shit, I was going to say something else about Game of Thrones. What was it? Oh yeah, I did a poll on Instagram because this this character Joffrey, this guy's a little fucking asshole. He's like a 15-year-old kid and he's a psychopath and a sociopath and he like enjoys like torturing people for fun 
and he is a universally hated character. So I did a poll asking who is more universally hated because Umbridge, I have not seen a hatred for Umbridge, like a, a, like a bigger hatred than there is one for Umbridge. So I did a poll against them mm-hmm. and he won. Joffrey won my poll. Apparently people hate him more than they hate Umbridge. Isn't that crazy? Insane. Insane. Yeah, I was I was shocked. But I mean, he is a pretty like big asshole. So um, anyway, yeah. So Game of Thrones, I mean, if like nudity and cutting heads off in half and beheading horses and shit like that sounds fun to you, give it a watch. See, tell me what you think. But on in more fun news, I did go see um, a comedy show last night. Taylor Tomlinson. She's a comedian. She has two um, Netflix specials out right now. And then she's on tour. It's the Have It All tour. We and she's has kind of like a mini residency in Minneapolis right now. She has four. She like only booked did one show on her tour, but it got like so many tickets that she kept having to add more and more shows. And now she has four shows in a row <laughs> in Minneapolis. Um, and we went to the one last night. And that was her second show in Minneapolis, and uh, it was packed. And she was hilarious. She was very good. And then I posted a picture and tagged her in it, like a picture of like my friends and I outside the marquee um, and tagged her in it. And she commented on it because like she and I are best friends now. So, yeah, I was going to say you and your new best friend, Taylor. Yeah, she called me cute. I mean, I I don't know. I feel a little bit of a spark, you know, nothing. (laughs) Cute. I mean, it's pretty cute. (laughs) (laughs) I do, I do love her comedies. I'm very excited that you got. To oh, see you've her. seen her specials? Yeah, oh yeah, love yeah. Her. She's very relatable to like our type of people. Like in her, she's she's my age. She's 29, so like almost in her 30s. Like mental health issues, being single, dealing with men. Like it's it's great. A very relatable comedy. Yeah. So um, I have been, uh, first of all, listening to what can only be uh, deemed the song of January 2023, which is the Shakira Bizrap session number 53, which is her. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure it is her Spanish uh, song that is dedicated to her ex pk um chef's kiss no notes i have to say the thing the thing where she put the witch on her balcony facing her ex-mother-in-law's house is something that i can definitely see you doing again no notes (laughs) like revenge is my love language (laughs) shakira's having a moment right now uh, Shakira does her best work when she is like on a warpath. Yeah. Like I remember being, um, but a babe of twelve and listening to her, her earlier work. You know when she was just a Latin pop star, or you know the Latin Alanis Morissette. Is this uh, and just, pre hips don't lie? Oh yeah. Way pre so <laughs> like she had all dark hair. Um, she was like the Alanis Morissette of my generation, you know, in Spanish. Wow. Um, I was with a babe of twelve, listening to her angsty lyrics, feeling validated and understood. Amazing, love it. Uh, I felt like a little bit of that spark back, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> Shakira, welcome home, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> Anyway, so um, then I've been kind of slogging through uh, Witcher Blood Origins, which is like the prequel to The Witcher. Uh, I'm kind of meh on it. I'm trying to give it a chance that I'm not super into it. Yeah, it's it's like not not any of the same people, right? It's a completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. It's like it's not that it's like uninspiring. It's just more like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Do I really care about this? Really, you know, like I don't know. That's fair. That is definitely fair. I hope to watch the last the show, The Last of Us. Now that that's on um, HBO Max, 
soon. So maybe that, maybe I'll be able to talk about that in an upcoming episode because it just reminded me because The Witcher is also a video game. Um, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, my sister and her, and my and her fiance are big Witcher fans, and uh, we're talking about that. So I, I wonder if they watched it and if they enjoyed it. Well, that's it for today's episode. Please join us next time as we talk about Chapter 24 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. This one is titled The One Maker. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, please take a second to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast right now. It helps new listeners discover the podcast and it makes us happy. And isn't that what you guys all want in life, just to make us happy? Especially after a chapter like this. And if you don't want to make us happy listeners, I will go personally to where you live and put a witch at the balcony across from us. Yes, and have it facing directly at you uh, like the petty bitches we are. (laughs) Because once again, revenge is my love language. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, politics managed. Support this show by going to patreon.com slash Occupolitics. Our patrons keep this show going. You can find us online at Occupolitics.com and we are at Occupolitics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can email us your thoughts at info at Occupolitics.com. Leave us a voicemail at 915-996-1699. And you might just hear yourself on the podcast. Adriana Wilson is the founder and creative director of the podcast. Helene Karp is the producer and social media manager. Allison Pullman is the audio wizard and editor who makes us sound so good. Cover art and physical rewards are designed by Adriana Wilson. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are expressly their own and not representative of their employers or associates. Occupolitics is part of the MuggleNet family of podcasts.